to start this year talking about relationships. We're going to spend eight weeks talking about relationships. So if you've been thinking that this year would be a good time to work on your marriage or to spend more time with your kids or to be a better friend, this will be a really good place for us to start. Each week in the sermon, we'll be looking at one biblical principle about relationships, and then we'll offer a simple and usually really practical, easy thing to try during the week. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about things like expectations and your family, like the family you grew up in and how that has impacted how you love people now. We'll talk about how to fight well, not don't fight, but how, if when you fight, how are you going to fight well? And then actually at 10 o'clock, every Sunday, Dr. Bev Snyder, um, she's here this morning. I saw her, Dr. Bev. <laughs> I heard a woo-woo. Dr. Bev, there she is, Dr. Bev. Dr. Bev Snyder will be teaching a class, and it'll go deeper into a lot of this practical material. Uh, she's got amazing training experience to do this, so I'd encourage you, if you can, at 10 o'clock, uh, it starts today. Stick around, pop in. They'll be in the gathering place right over here for a class. We'd also invite you, if you want to go deeper during the week, uh, there's this devotional called Emotionally Healthy Relationships Day by Day. There's information in your bulletin and church email on how to get this on Amazon or wherever you want to get books. Uh, and it's got a Bible reading every day, a couple of them, and it listed in there. It's got really good reflections and questions to think about. So I'd encourage you to do that with us, too. We're spending a lot of time and energy on this series about relationships, offering all these ways to connect because relationships are important, right? They're important to us. Even if you didn't start this year thinking, how can I make my relationships better? You at least notice when they're not working. Like, you know when your relationships aren't working. If you're honest, there's probably at least one relationship in your life that could be better if you thought about it. And you could, oh, we could all feel closer to God. We could all build up our relationship with God. So we're going to spend eight weeks taking small steps to get closer to God and closer to one another and to make your relationships better. And not just better, but emotionally healthy. Emotionally healthy. So today we're going to jump right in with one foundational idea. You ready? All right. Healthy relationships are learned. Healthy relationships are learned. It's not something that you were born knowing how to do. We know this because we've met children, right? We've met kids. Kids have to be taught how to be in good relationships with other people. They don't do it naturally. We teach them to share. We teach them how to speak kindly. We teach them how to respect other people. I remember one time when our son, uh, our younger son, Andrew, he's 16 now, but um, he was little once. <laughs> he was a toddler, and he was such a sweet kid. He was such a sweet kid. So he's this little toddler, and one morning I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm clutching my cup of coffee. Because when you have tiny people in your house, you don't casually hold your cup of coffee. Like, you clutch it. It's your lifeline. So I'm clutching my cup of coffee like a life preserver, and I'm watching him play. And I see him, and he finds this little tiny rubber ball on the ground, one of those little bouncy ones. But those are the same ones that they're kind of sticky, so like everything sticks to them. Dog fur, dirt, dust, crumbs, whatever's on the ground's on the ball. So he finds a little ball and he picks it up, my sweet two-year-old. I see him look at me. I thought, oh, he's going to come share that little ball with me. Look at him, so good. And he toddles over and his big brown eyes and he looks me right in the eye and I'm looking at him. We're having this moment. And he takes the ball, 
and he just throws it right in my cup of coffee. Like, and then he doesn't even miss a beat, he just walks away. Like, that was just it. It doesn't matter how good your kids are, even if they came out kind and loving and wonderful, they have to be taught how to be in relationships with other people. You can't just let them out there in the world like that. So we, weren't, we, had, to, we had to learn it. Some of you are maybe naturally pretty good at loving other people. Some of you, and you know who you are, are like, yeah, not so much, and that's all right. Because each of us learned what we learned about relationships growing up. And some of what you learned was helpful, and a lot of it was not. But all of us can learn how to have healthy relationships now. It's not something that you're just good at or bad at. It's something you learn. Healthy relationships are learned. So if healthy relationships are learned, if healthy relationships are learned, wouldn't it make sense to learn from someone who's a lot better at relationships than anyone else? And that makes sense. To read about them and learn from them, spend time with them, so that one day at a time, the way they love becomes more the way that you love other people. Sure it would. Which is why you should spend more time with God. Which is why you should spend more time with God. We don't think about it all the time like this, but God is great at relationships. God is great at relationships. And God is definitely better at relationships than you are. I'm sorry, it's just true. From start to finish in the Bible, God shows us what love looks like. It starts with Adam and Eve in the garden and runs all the way through the letters to the churches at the end. God loves us when we run away. God builds a relationship with us even when it seems impossible. And right at the center of the Bible, we have the story of Jesus where God seeks a relationship with us so much that he comes here as one of us, and did for us what we never could have done for ourselves. That's love. That's what love looks like. So we're never going to be as good as God at relationships. I'm not saying at the end of eight weeks we're just going to be, like, perfect. No. But if you believe that healthy relationships can be learned, and if you believe, or you can at least trust me, that God has a lot to teach us about relationships, then... Your relationships with others are better when you're closer to God. Your relationships with others are better when you're closer to God. So when you spend more time with God and you grow closer to God, you're going to learn about healthy relationships. All right, so let's take a look at the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 15. Jesus is talking about what does it mean to be close to him. So if we can say, okay, I want to be close to God, what does that mean? And Jesus is going to use the image of a plant, which I love because I love plants. I love plants. So let's look at this. Jesus says, John chapter 15, verse 4, Abide in me as I abide in you. Abide in me as I abide in you. This word abide isn't something we use a lot anymore. It's not like in our natural vernacular. It's an old word, but in the Greek, which is what this part of the Bible was written in originally, abide had this image of like stick with me or live with me. So, and then notice Jesus doesn't say abide in me and then I will abide in you. Jesus says as I abide in you. Even before you've decided to get close to God, God has already decided to be close to you. 
So Jesus is saying, stick with me as I've already stuck with you. Live with me as I already live in you. And then he goes on. Jesus says, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. Those are connected to God as a branches to a vine bear fruit. We don't think of ourselves as connected to God like that. A lot of the time we sit down and we pray and we think, all right, I was connected to God and I'm going to go back to my regular life. We think of ourselves as sort of little plants, like we're planted out there, self-sufficient, independent, individual. But just because you can't see the vine, it doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, early in quarantine, we all did stuff to keep ourselves busy, right? Like some of you baked a lot of bread, like a weird amount of bread. Some of you watched Tiger King, which I just will never understand, but you did, like a lot of you did. Dave and I decided we work on one section of our backyard, like just one little area, because years ago, like years ago, we planted one regular-sized plant, and we, we lived in Ohio a long time. In Ohio, you could plant like one plant, and it stayed one plant, but in Florida, plants just like go bonkers, like it just exploded. So we planted this one plant, and I swear we went inside and came back out, and it was suddenly like 30 feet of plant, and it was all like 12 feet tall. It had taken over the whole yard, like it was a real problem. Because over time, just one after another, one new plant after another just kept coming up out of the ground. So we thought, no problem, we'll just cut them down, and so we cut them all down. <laughs> no, came back out, they're all back, like an hour later, 10 feet up in the air. They're all back. So we started, we thought it was just all these plants, but then we started digging into the ground. And what we found is it wasn't a bunch of plants. It was this one gigantic vine just running under the ground. And one branch after another had sprouted up as it just terrifyingly took over our entire yard. The branches were easy to cut down. And if you cut them off, they would die on their own. But that vine, holy moly. That vine was really strong. It put up a really good fight. The plants weren't never going to be huge and strong on their own. They were getting their strength from a vine that we couldn't see. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Then he goes on, verse 6, Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. All right, these are really strong words from Jesus. And we can't know for sure exactly what he means, how literal to take it, what exactly what it means here, because he doesn't tell us. So we have to be careful not to jump to a lot of our own conclusions here. Anytime Jesus mentions fire, we think, oh, he's talking about hell. <laughs> we don't know that for sure. He doesn't say hell, he says fire. But what we do know, we don't know exactly what it means. What we do know is Jesus wants us to take this really seriously. So he uses this big image of fire. When a branch isn't connected to a vine, it doesn't survive. That's how serious Jesus is about this image. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done. And again, we got to be careful here before we go on. We know that we can't just ask for anything at all and guarantee that God will give it to us. If that were true, you would all be millionaires. 
just not true. God's not a vending machine for prayers. You can't go in and put in like A6 and whatever blessing you need today just pops out of the bottom. That's not how prayer works. But again, Jesus uses this big language because he wants us to take it seriously. That if he abides in us, if we abide in him, we can and we should be able to ask God for what we need and know that God's there. All right, let's go on. Verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. All right, so when you're connected to Jesus, you bear fruit. And if you've been in the church a long time, you're like, yeah, we bear fruit. If you've not heard this image before, you're like, what? (laughs) Fruit is this image in the Bible that comes up when we think about, like, fruit of the Spirit. Some of y'all grew up in Sunday school, and you know, oh, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Just, you're living all those things in your relationships now, yeah? All of them, love and joy and peace and patience. Probably not all of them. But Jesus says the more connected you are to God, the more you will see that fruit in your life. The more connected you are to God, the more you will be patient and kind and faithful. And Jesus says, and then you become his disciples. The passage goes on, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We want to blow past that. He says, As the Father loves the Son, so the Son, Jesus Christ, loves us. And that's powerful. Sometimes you're going to forget just how much Jesus loves you. But he does. But that love doesn't stop with you. One more verse. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And he says, as, as I have loved you. That little word, as, in the Greek has this sense of a source, of where it's coming from. Love others out of the love I have poured into you would be another way to read that. When you're close to God, the love that God is pouring into you will pour out into the people around you. So what does that look like? How did Jesus love? He loved people with forgiveness and with grace. He loved them without expecting anything in return. He loved people consistently, even when they weren't lovable at all. Jesus even loved his enemies. So when you learn to love someone like that, it's going to change how you love other people. When you're learning from someone who loves like that, it's going to change you. Your relationships with others are better when you're closer to God. And if they aren't, something's wrong. So one word of caution before we keep going. If you're spending a lot of time with God, if you're feeling like your faith is just really rock solid, you're starting this year on a good, good two feet when you think about your faith, but you still aren't loving well, there's a problem. If you're coming to church every week, but you're still mean and selfish and unforgiving, it is time to take stock of your life. And to make sure that you're really letting Jesus change you. That you're not just going through the motions. 
In Matthew 22, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. For Jesus, loving God and loving other people weren't something you could separate. If you loved God, you loved people. They're, the same. They're together. So healthy relationships, relationships where you love others the way Jesus has loved you, they're learned. They're learned. That's what we're going to work on for the next eight weeks. All right, so we're going to give you a lot of homework over this series. Get ready. It's a new year. You've got homework. Uh, so over these next few weeks, each week we're going to give you something practical to do at home. This week there's actually two because I can do that. Uh, so we're going to have two, two pieces of homework. First, ready? Make time for God. You saw that one coming? Make time for God. Spend time this week. Read your Bible. Pray, especially about your relationships. If you've never done this, start with just a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour. Start with a couple of minutes where you're quiet and you spend time with God. Again, you can grab this devotional. You could start there. And then throughout your day, come back to prayer. Prayer does not have to look like complete silence in your room in the dark on the ground, eyes shut. Prayer can be all the time. So look for God and pray and be present when you're in your kitchen making dinner or you're going to a doctor's appointment or you're talking to people at work. Make that a part of your prayer too, looking for God through the whole day. I think sometimes the best prayers happen when it's just chaos around us and we hear God speak. All right, that's first. Then you're going to take one step this week to communicate with the people in your life in a new way. We're trying to learn from Jesus, and when we watch the way Jesus talks to people, he isn't just giving information and receiving information. When Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? It's not that he doesn't know who they think he is. He's building a relationship. When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, he isn't giving information. He's inviting people to get close to him. When Jesus communicates, it's about building relationships with other people. So healthy relationship starts by learning to talk like this with people in your life, too. We're going to talk a lot about communication over the next uh, eight weeks. It's really foundational. Uh, but we tend to talk at each other or, like, over each other or we get defensive or, my goodness, we go online and we're barely communicating at all. But some small changes in the way we talk can actually bring big results. All right, so pr this is real practical stuff we're going to do right at the end. In your bulletin, you'll look, and there's several I phrases. And we're going to talk quickly about I language and how you can bring that into your conversations with people close to you. So there's a few examples. For example, let's say you walk into your house at the end of the day. And you walk in. Instead of saying, when's dinner? <laughs> No, let's not start there. You might start with, this is going to sound crazy, I appreciate. I appreciate. And then share something you appreciate about whoever it is that's in the house when you walk into the house from wherever you were. You could start with, I appreciate the fact that you're making dinner. <laughs> you could start there. Or let's say something hasn't gone the way you hoped in your relationship with somebody. Instead of saying, why on earth did you do that? Which um, is probably not going to build your relationship with them. You could start with, there's two I words here, I notice and I prefer. <laughs> I noticed that this happened 
And I would prefer, what if I tried this instead? So you hear how this sounds different? Here's another one. Instead of saying, you did, fill in the blank, you did this thing. You did it. Maybe they did. I'm not saying they didn't. Don't, don't tell me. I know. I know they did the thing. You did this thing. Instead, try, I feel. Oh, and some of you guys are like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. I feel angry about. I feel hurt because. All right, and then there's one more. Instead of the regular, like, how's your day conversation, we all do that. How's your day? It's fine. How's your day? It's fine. What if over dinner you started with a real deep conversation? You started with something like, I hope. I dream about. What are those things that are beyond just getting to bedtime? I hope and have a conversation there. It's a real practical, small thing, but when we watch Jesus talk to people, it's so beyond that surface place that we live in all the time. He's always building relationships. And every time you start a conversation with someone, you have the opportunity to do that too. If we change the way we talk, 